Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. I was going to say Matt is sitting in front of a wall of monitors like the architect in the Matrix uh, movies. Not quite a wall, but I do have three. <laughs> wow. An, ex- an obscene amount of monitors. No. Uh, his battle station. All right. Hello and welcome to this week's Discographology pregame, the show where we're in the thick of learning what's a Funkadelic. But this week we're taking a brief break from that to bring you another pregame episode. Uh, later on we'll discuss our special theme for this week, but up first we're going to talk about what we've been listening to lately. Uh, Matt, why don't you lead us off? What have you been listening to around this time? Well, as... Uh... As it is now, this I don't know when this will come out, but it is uh, certainly still in the thick of Christmas time. So I've been in the thick of the Christmas playlist, um, you know, hitting all, all the highlights there. Um, I, I'm I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I there, I feel like there are certain platonic or, or ideal recordings of Christmas songs, uh, you know, like Brent, you know, Brenda Lee's. Uh, um, rocking around the Christmas tree that if you hear different versions of them, it's just kind of off putting. Uh, but, but I've been uncanny Valley. Yeah. Like yeah. Uncanny Valley. Well, and, and I feel like there's, uh, you know, that's marketing and action. It's like, well, you know, the, these wine moms will, will buy up Michael blue Bublé's most recent. Uh, and I'm sure it's, you know, he, he's, he's a fine, fine vocalist, but, uh, but I, I, I like the classics. Um, I, 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 found this one last year but uh, had been jamming it again um uh, and i think i've mentioned it on uh, on another song uh, the waitress's christmas rapping uh was was really a, a great um, great a track that i've been um been listening to uh the most and of course lots of bruce with uh santa claus has come to town um merry christmas baby not not as good by by a significant amount i i, I think but uh but I gotta love uh, Bruce's Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, I'm sure it'll be January 25th or something. You'll be way <laughs> over it. But that's what I'm listening to now. Nice. Um, yeah. This yeah. This will be released. Uh, this is going to be released in July. So it'll actually be way <laughs> past Christmas. What? Just in time for Christmas in July. <laughs> that's I, true. Uh, let's see. What is today? The 30th of December. Well, I'm very peeking behind the curtain there. Geez. Behind, well, I'm just saying I'm very over Christmas music right now. But I did want to add yet when you hear the Amy Grant version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, it sounds super like dinky in comparison. <laughs> so I know exactly what you mean. Slack in the Phil Spector. I don't know if he did that Brenda Lee track, but uh, the wall of sound. Maybe. You know? it, it is a, it's more thin. Yeah, it's very thin. Uh, toothless is what I should say. Uh, like, like all Amy Grant music, it is toothless. <laughs> um, I wanted to say, um, Logan told us to listen to a group called The Meters that I had never heard of. Ooh. And so I put on that album he recommended, Rejuvenation. Yeah. And... First of all, I just instrumentally, I'm like, 
I would really like to look into how many hip hop acts have sampled this group because <laughs> it's like the most, a lot of this stuff would make the most fire beats you ever heard in your life. <laughs> really, really uh, awesome instrumentally. Um, good, really good vocally too. If, if everyone hasn't already like sampled it to death, I would like to take some loops out of this album because they're, they're that good. Really cool stuff to uh, to mess around with. Yeah. Uh, I've been lis- listening to my uh, YouTube music added a <laughs> 2021 rewind or whatever. Kind of every company got on board with doing a uh, wrapped, the, the Spotify wrapped, doing their own um, off-brand version of it. So it's kind of listening back to my YouTube playlist. It's like, this is the stuff you listen to in 2021. And it's pretty much just all the same stuff that I listed on my best of 2021 list. So not a lot. I want to recommend to the whole world, again, I've, I know I've already done it, the band, the the defunct duo Chairlift. Um, it's not just some weird Blake thing. It's a truly, truly good duo. Um, kind of a band electronic hybrid type thing. Of course, they spawned um, Caroline Polachek's solo vocalist career, one of the most amazing living vocalists um if you don't believe it look her up i also put on that new bleachers because matt recommended it Ew. um i didn't i haven't listened to it that much yet but i do i long a little bit for the or like the first bleachers record it's a little more i he he very much loves bruce springsteen in fact he's on a track i would prefer to hear a little more bleachers and a little less bruce um just be yourself, Jack. But um, Bruce Springsteen, was... I have to, I have to interject. Bruce Springsteen might give uh, like Nirvana or Pearl Jam a run for their money on like artists who have went on to inspire other musicians in fairly <laughs> negative ways, <laughs> like <laughs> like people trying to do their shtick and doing it unsuccessfully and yeah. not well. Uh, well, right. thinking I, of the killers, uh, I know, I know there's killers, ooh. defenders of Sam's town around these parts, but it just, I think it Sam's feels like when good. bands try to do Bruce Springsteen, uh, it, it doesn't always come out he, great. He, yeah. Here's the thing. Even Bruce Springsteen doesn't always do <laughs> yeah. Bruce Springsteen's shtick. Well, I, I, I think, right. you know, it, yeah, I, I agreed. I think Sam's town was the, the last good killers album. That's my personal opinion on it. Um, our vinyl buying in this household has died down. We are, you know, recovering from Christmas spending and trying to save up for a new computer to replace my one that, uh, exploded. But are you going to rebuild? We will rebuild. No, um, I don't think I have the time or energy to build again. I think I might just go with a, with a store bot, but I, it needs to be a really, really good one, so it's difficult. But I don't, I don't think I'm even going to save money if I, if I build it anyway. What I wanted to say is, is what I got Jessica for Christmas. I don't think I, I think I teased it, but didn't say it. Did I say on here? I don't think you uh, did. You, I, you, you, you wouldn't say. Yeah, you, you didn't say. I was gonna. Ah, yes. I had a guess, but I didn't know. Oh, what's your guess? Uh. Were you missing one of the like the record store day Heim, uh, seven inches or something like that? No, I I bought myself the gasoline um, already. But oh yeah, 
this is for this is a gift for Jessica, and I don't think Jessica could care less about the gasoline seven inch. Um, something that she re- had really, really been wanting, I got her, which was New Order's Substance. Oh yeah, that's mm. great. Um, a hard to find uh, record to say the least. So yeah, yeah, one of the New Orders she didn't have yet because it's so uh, not readily available. Found uh, one in pretty an original, of course. I don't, I don't think they've ever repressed it. Uh, pretty good condition, um, and it sounded great when we spun it. So, yeah, substance. I was pretty proud of that gift. It's one one of the better ones I've given. But that's about it as far as what what we've got. Excellent. I uh, let's see. Picked up a couple odds and ends. I I. Picked up Devo's Freedom of Choice on white vinyl, uh, their album nice. from 1980. It has Whip It and uh, Girl You Want. It's great. I've, I've listened to it probably at least three times now, and uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I was also working on a project where I was, I was loading up some music onto an iPod Touch and I got to listening to System of a Down's Mesmerize, Hypnotize album. Yeah. Uh, originally, the first one came out in 2005, and then like six months later, Hypnotize, I think, came out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got to listening to that. That's that's fun. I, I did pick up uh, a CD of Appleseed Cast Sagarmatha from 2009. So that was a, a cheap pickup that i found um i've been on my bullshit again and i've only really <laughs> been listening to euro dance and uh there we go just like That's a lot of culture beat and labouche and you know real mccoy and god yeah. knows what else so i made a playlist i told you guys about it's like 30 something tracks so uh, yeah, that's been fun. But then I've also been listening to the song Free Your Mind by Invoke. Hey. <laughs> oh, uh, that might make an appearance next week. It's been stuck in my head. <laughs> From uh, 1992. Uh, that song rules, though. Like, I, yeah. I think I might need to to dig into some Invoke. There's a few, like, uh, I don't know the genre. R and R&B. Uh, songs of that era that I have a certain nostalgia and love for. Uh, one is that Tony Braxton song. Uh, Break my heart. Making me, you're making me high. Oh, you're making uh, me. I high. do kind of love. You're making me high. There's some boys to men as well that I appreciate from that era. It's a R and B early nineties R. Yeah, I, actually, uh, th- so I don't know if anybody has Pluto TV. It's it's a free yeah. streaming service. I've seen it. Josh, you're yeah. making up it's stuff. It's free now. streaming you service like- that it has like different <laughs> channels, and one of them is a '90s music video channel, Whoa. and they they like to show boys to men videos. And I, I've invented a game with Beth uh, for Boys to Men music videos, which is count the number of outfit changes there are. Every <laughs> single <laughs> shot, they're in a different outfit. Like they're in like suits, you know, standing by a window of suits. And then it cuts to like them in bathrobes in a bathroom. You got like, <laughs> you to know what they'll look like in every situation. <laughs> it really is yeah. like every every shot, they're in a new outfit and they're all matching outfits. It's pretty, pretty amusing. Yeah. Uh, Check that out. Hang um, on, just firing off a text to my wife. Pluto TV yes. 90s music well, just, video just channel. Just Pluto TV. They have a channel for 90s, 70s, 80s. I, 
I knew they had a, a James Bond channel. They have a James I, Bond channel for a while, and I, I'd seen some American Gladiators on there, but I yeah. was not aware of '90s music video channels. They have that, like hundreds yeah. of channels. That yeah. needs to happen. It's if pretty great. Yes, she's going to put great. this channel the, on and never turn it the off. The only thing is, they do repeat sometimes. So, like uh, the '90s music video channel, like after you'll notice they switch it up occasionally. But if you watch it several days in a row, it's a similar rotation of videos every day until oh, they change it. I think I think we did watch this over at Jessica's sister's house, and it was it was yeah some of the same like New Order and Cure and Smith. Still, the '80s. I one. mean, still, it's pretty. It's pretty great yeah. being free. Anyway, I stepped on Logan. What you were saying, uh, you, you're back on your bullshit listening to Eurodance. Uh, made yeah, well, I was listening to Eurodance, and then I was just listening to In Vogue's "Free Your Mind," and I was in, impressed with how rocking it was. And yeah, that was it. That's that's actually all. All is all I've been listening to. Nice. I know Knife Death covered yep. "Free Your Mind" in uh, the oh, show. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't there for it, but I I, I hear tell. I feel like we we played with them and they did that. I could be misremembering. I, that. I might have had to leave early or something. But for, yeah, for that, those that don't know, Knife Death good. is a, a local band. Uh, was a local band uh, to to us that was was is. I don't know if they're still. They play like uh, long, kind long of metal. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought about pulling out the Knife Death CD the other day and listening to it because uh, uh, I've been playing a a DC Lego game with my daughter and Solomon Grundy's on it and. They had that song about Solomon Grundy. Did uh, one Blake produce that? Yeah. Oh, the did one you that really? I recorded for the. Oh, yeah. I recorded that one for him. It's one of my. <laughs> mo- it's one of my favorite that. things I've ever done. Nice. I need to. I need to pull that. Well, thanks a lot, asshole. But uh, yeah, I need to pull. <laughs> Pull that out. <laughs> what did I do? I've been in three bands with you, and you're like, this is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> no, I mean, like, <laughs> something that wasn't my own. Rather than recording all this other garbage I always record. Uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, non Blake band stuff. Nice. Um, also, Logan, I have to throw out there, I saw you uploaded some new music to your channel. By the time people hear this, it won't be probably as new, but it's, oh, it's, yeah. uh, you uploaded a new song to your Logan Williams music YouTube channel. Um, that was pretty yeah. good. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, yeah. it's Dr. Logarithm's song toxic, not to be confused with Britney Spears, <laughs> but nice. yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had it on and, and Beth didn't know what was happening. She walked in. She's like, what are you watching? <laughs> a bunch of like eight old, like kind of movie clips or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'll kind of run down my list here, what I've picked up. Um, I think I sent you guys a picture of this. I went and bought a couple of records at uh, Stick It. I, I got the finally completed the Idols collection, picking up their first album, Brutalism. Um, which I knew very little of other than the song Mother, and uh, been enjoying that. Uh, also got, on that same trip, the George Harrison compilation Early Takes Volume 1, which was a compilation put out in coordination with the Martin Scorsese documentary on George Harrison, I think in 2009, uh, called Living in the Material World. And uh, the the... the album is a compilation of like demos and that kind of thing alternate takes and it is 
excellent. Um, I prefer actually a couple of versions of songs on there to the actual versions that were on the album. Uh, the version of Awaiting on You All on Early Takes Volume 1, I think, is better than the version on All Things Must Pass. It's just, it's very crisp, um, tight, and just a lot less frills than the specterized version that's on All Things Must Pass. Uh, also, it's got some other songs that went on to be George Harrison songs down the road, but in very different fashion um, that are really good, like A Woman, Don't You Cry For Me. Um, so yeah, very, very good album. Look it up on Spotify if you're a fan of George Harrison, uh, early takes volume one. And then also weirdly enough, I also got another George Harrison album. I don't think I talked about this last time. Did I talk about getting his album brainwashed? I don't, his, I don't his believe final so. one. Okay. I happened to find a, a copy of the final George Harrison album brainwashed on CD, um, for pretty cheap and, and got that, which I haven't listened to that album a ton other than a couple of songs, and there's one on there that's really good called Stuck Inside a Cloud, which is also kind of a sad song because it was one of those things where he was recording it knowing he was in the last stages of his life. Um, so it's got some stuff on there mm. that it's pretty heavy, but uh, I think ultimately uh, definitely a, a fitting kind of last album for him. And then uh, I also put a picture of this on my Instagram. I got Run the Jewels 2. The second Run the Jewels album, which was gifted to me by a friend of ours uh, who happened to have two copies of it. And he accidentally ordered two. And he said, Uh. do you want this? And I said, yes. Um, And it's not one I can listen to around the kids, uh, but it's still (laughs) a good album. It's got a, you know, uh, blockbuster night and close your eyes and count to F word. Oh, is that the Zach Delarocco one? Yeah. That's a great one. And then finally, uh, for Christmas, one one gift I got was the Wilco and Slater Kinney 7-inch they did for their tour together last fall. So Wilco and Slater Kinney did a joint headlining tour, and to commemorate that, they sold a special orange vinyl seven inch on that tour where on one side it's Slater Kinney doing a cover of a Wilco song. They cover shot in the arm. And on the other side is Wilco covering a Slater Kinney song. They do modern girl and it's pretty good. And I was surprised by it because it was a tour exclusive thing. And I think they ended up selling some online and and Beth picked one up. So yeah, I was pretty happy about that. But That's that awesome. is what I've been listening to, and I guess that moves us into our special theme for this week. So, as I said up top, we're in the midst of investigating Funkadelic, and as you may know, George Clinton initially started with just Funkadelic, but that proved not to be enough for him, and he decided to start or restart, depending on your perspective, Parliament. And so Parliament kind of starts as a side project in a way. And since next week we'll be looking at the first Parliament album as well as the second Funkadelic album, I thought it'd be a good time to talk just generally about our favorite side projects. I'm calling this segment Side Pieces. And I did not come up with a good song for it like Logan usually does. (laughs) There are several songs that mention side pieces. Drop one here. Okay. Um... (laughs) So, uh, Matt, why don't you lead it off? What What is your favorite side piece? 
I'm going to, I'm calling this a side project. I think that there are some who would also call it a super group. And I guess, you know, that there's, there's a lot of discussion that, that could be had about, well, what, what constitutes one uh, and, and not the other. But, um, the, the reason that I'm, I'm classifying it as a side project is that uh, one of the members uh, had another band uh, going on at the, at, at the time. Um, that was Chris Cornell and the uh, side project in question that uh, I'm going to talk about is Temple of the Dog, uh, which was... Uh, the early 90s, um, <clears throat> 1990, uh, tribute band slash record uh, to a, a deceased friend of um, of Chris Cornell's and uh, the other the other guys who were in this band who went on to jo- uh, to form uh, Pearl Jam, which uh, was Eddie Vedder, Mike McCready, uh, and Stone Gossard. Uh, but they were in a band uh, prior to that. Uh, McCready and, and Gossard were named Mother Love Bone, and um, after their singer, Andrew Wood, uh, died, they, they got together with uh, with Chris Cornell and with uh, drummer Matt Cameron, who I believe has played... He's played in every single Seattle grunge band at, at, at some point, it feels like. Um, Matt Cameron is a ninja, but... Um, and Pumpkins. This, and Pumpkins, there you go. Um, recorded uh, this record. Um, you, The one that I always heard growing up and and was the only one that I was aware of for a long time was say hello to heaven and that is the um that, that's kind of the big hit from the record um it's the one that's kind of most uh referential I, I suppose to um to the the, the theme of of a, of a requiem or a tribute album that's one that Cornell sings but um later on uh, my, my favorite uh, track to come off of that was uh, was Hunger Strike, and that was a a duet with uh, Cornell and Eddie Vedder, and um, that's one that you can still put on. You know, US ninety seven is going to play Hunger Strike and say hello to heaven for the next thirty five years. <laughs> it's 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 that that ingrained in you know kind of the new classic rock. Um, but uh, you know, I, I thought a lot about um, you know side projects, and there there's some neat ones, but it, it's. It's when when you have so much overlap between so many interesting uh, bands, and you know, you just think about uh, what that scene, um, you know, in in the Northwest must have been like. Uh, you know, we talked some about that uh, with our our, Nirv- our Nirvana series, but um, it, it must have been um, must have been quite a scene. And, and I think this is a great uh, artifact from from that that kind of collaborative spirit and, and that scene. And it's and the sound. They only did one album, right? There was only one Temple of the Dog Co- album. Correct. So, correct. Yeah, yeah. And th- I never thought about it, but you're so it it was a side project for Chris Cornell because he had Soundgarden going on. But yes, Pearl Jam. You're saying wasn't a band yet when they did that album. Yes, that is my understanding. I, um, okay. The, Stone Gossard and um, Mike McCready and, and I believe Jeff Ament as well had, had been playing together. Um, in, in, in yet another band called called Green River. Oh, okay. Um, so so you know th- there were lots of kind of iterations of um, uh, of that that lineup, but yeah, Pearl Jam didn't come around until uh, until the following year. I, I, okay. I think that they kind of formed and and recorded ten uh, fairly quickly 
uh, over the course of 1991, and and, and this was um, this was was back in 1990. So it's technically not a side project for Eddie Vedder. That's what I was trying to get for I, the the Pearl Jam no, guys. No, not, not not a side project for for Eddie Vedder. But but definitely one one for Cornell for, and course, Cornell. Um, you know kind of a, a transitory project I suppose for for, for nice. some of those other guys. Cool, yeah. All right, Blake. What is your uh, choice for favorite side piece? My side piece um, to make you uncomfortable. I'm interested in. Uh, <laughs> no, it makes me more comfortable. <laughs> I think it's interesting side projects that are how often they're kind of a one and done even if they are really great and that may be the case with a bunch of ours or maybe even all of ours. Um, this is sort of one of those, but it's so recent that I'm hoping it's not a one and done. Um, I want to talk about boy genius. I don't know how familiar anyone is with the, uh, it's both a side project and a super group boy genius. I'm aware. So, I'm aware of uh, it. I know I some heard, of the members. Of yeah, I have not. I'd recommend taking a listen because all they have is a six-song EP, uh, so a brief and beautiful little thing you can listen to pretty pretty quickly, and you won't be sorry. Um, separately, they are Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, and Lucy Dacus, but together they are absolutely when our powers combine transcend. I. I forget I forget what the line is from A Mighty Wind. <laughs> no one gets that reference. I know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know that line. Yeah. Anyway, together they join forces and they're a really a really beautiful uh, trio. They each of them had a solo career in their own right, and each of them had released a record or two before they decided to do the boy genius thing together. Just as kind of a one-off. I don't know if it's a one-off, um, but uh, Phoebe Bridgers had her first LP in um, 2017, I know, and I think Dacus and Baker had been doing stuff even before that. Um, the Boy Genius EP was released on Matador um, in October 2018, so it was. Be- I know it was between Phoebe Bridgers' first uh, and second LPs. Uh, this is what she was. Do- she was doing this in the meantime, and then she- after this, she went right on to do a a side project with Connor Oberst called Better Oblivion Community Center. I don't know much about that one because I haven't really heard it. So don't ask me about that one. That's a that's a whole other side project super group. Um anyway, Boy Genius. Um I I liked the the method that they used when they when they got together to record. They each each of the three brought their own kind of half semi-finished song. So they had three semi-finished solo songs that they collaborated on together and then they came up with three songs that were kind of all of theirs and combined those to make the six song ep um i can't recommend it enough um they're not bangers it is definitely some sad sad bastard what's the female version of bastard sad girl music you know but uh it's it's still pretty beautiful stuff. I also really recommend watching their Tiny Desk concert oh. um, on NPR. It's it's a very pleasant experience, as are as are many of those concerts. But boy, genius! Check them out. All one word, by the way. All lowercase too, right? Isn't all lowercase. Yeah, like that's e- right. E- Stylized all lowercase. Yeah. All one word. 
please come back. If you're listening, boy genius. If you're listening to this, Phoebe Bridgers, Jillian uh, Baker, etc. Come cetera. back to us. Uh, cool. Uh, Logan, what's your favorite side piece? All right. So my favorite side piece is from 2003. It's a bit of a super group, uh, allegedly. Uh, it is The Network and their album Money Money 2020. Uh, this is a new Ooh. new wave, post-punk kind of an album that is allegedly a super group made up of Green Day and Devo. If true, which it's definitely Green Day. It's without a doubt Green Day. Uh, but it's unclear on if Devo's involved. Uh, if you go to personnel on their, like, wikipedia page or whatever it it doesn't list a link to those two uh there's nothing about them and it's just like kind of hearsay everywhere so i i can't find too much information to actually confirm uh who from devo is involved but i think they're they're doing the keyboards and and stuff Hmm. like that but it's great i i'll have a uh drop uh, for my favorite song, which is Rochambeau. But it's it's great. They also do a cover of the Misfits' uh, "Teenagers from Mars," which is a lot of fun. It's a fun album, and for a while, like I thought it was just going to be this one-off thing. And I, I guess that they've made a new album. It's called like "Money Money 2020 Part Two: We Told You So" <laughs> or something. <laughs> and and I think they did. Yeah, an I'm e- looking it EP. up. Yes, that's it. Uh, and so I've listened to that and there's someone listed as, uh, Rito Peter, uh, who is a producer of sorts that is involved as well, maybe now, but it, it, it's a lot of fun. I would love to do a palate cleanser on, on money, money, 2020, the first one. Uh, but it's great. Uh, it's, it's definitely green day though. (laughs) How did you come, come to find it? Well, whenever I worked at vintage stock, a long time ago there was a girl that she was from california and we we were in charge of like the playlist you know for the day so because we were working so we, we were kind of talking about music and she asked me have you ever heard of the network and i'm like no and she's like it's green day and devo and it's fucking awesome and i was like okay i i yeah let's listen and as soon as i listened to it i was like blown away and i went out to the cd rack immediately and we actually had a copy there so i picked it up and it was just like i couldn't get enough of it so nice highly recommend and they that. waited till the year 2020 to release the sequel yep. <laughs> so 17, i was gonna a 17 say year gap you picked it up you picked it up off the rack in between people coming in trying to sell you rocks uh, <laughs> yeah basically. Still, still one of my favorite vintage stock stories is the time someone tried That's to sell so you good. rocks People that uh, you know, sell rocks are also sell, they're selling multiple rocks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just they're special. They had a whole quarry over there. <laughs> rock, a whole quarry of 
bullshit going on. <laughs> oh, vintage stock. Uh Nice. So uh, I, I think uh, what's interesting is all of us did in a roundabout way pick uh, side projects that also kind of double as supergroups in a way, um, because mine is also one that is a artist who was established collaborating with another artist who was fairly established uh, to do something new, which maybe that's that's the whole thing with side projects in this day and age is like if you're already an established artist, you're not going to go maybe start a new band with some people who are fairly unknown i'm I, I don't know off the top of my head any examples of that uh, maybe there are some out there um someone can let us know but it seems like the thing these days is you start a side project because there's somebody you want to collaborate with that is also pretty well known you know um that seems to be true of of most of our picks at least uh, i feel so uh sometimes a side project uh, allows an artist to explore a different genre of music or, or avenue that the current band they're in isn't keen on going down together uh this is somewhat true of my pick for side piece and the story of mine is, is pretty well known if you're a fan of indie music in the early 2000s uh, it's arguably the most famous side project of that genre. Um, in the early 2000s, Death Cab for Cutie were one of the biggest indie rock bands and on the cusp of mainstream stardom. Lead singer Ben Gibbard had become friends with a guy named Jimmy Tamborello, who was better known as electronic artist Dental. Blake, have you ever listened to Din Dental Dentel? No. I haven't either. I know nothing about, I know nothing about Dint Dintel. But apparently yeah. it was a fairly he was fairly known in electronic music circles. Uh, so Ben Gibbard became friends with him through a mutual friend, and the two began collaborating on some songs. Apparently, this collaboration came at the perfect time as Death Cab was on a brief hiatus and Gibbard was sort of hitting a, a stride in songwriting at that point. Their collaboration was long distance as Tamborello lived in L.A. and he would send instrumentals via burn CDs that he had built uh, to Gibbard, who lived in Seattle. Gibbard would then augment the recordings, add vocals, instruments, that kind of thing, and send them back. Uh, interestingly, I found this fact I didn't know. The two weren't really great friends. Uh, they didn't really know each other that well, uh, yet still <laughs> collaborated uh, back and forth. They sort of got to know each other through the process of sending these burn CDs back and forth. Eventually, some other musicians helped out, including Chris Walla of Death Cab and Jenny Lewis of Rilo Kiley. And the way in which Tamborello and Gibbard corresponded led them to calling the side project the Postal Service. The album they released in early 2003, Give Up, remains the only album they ever did, and Gibbard returned to Death Cab soon thereafter and released the stellar Transatlanticism later that same year, which is crazy to me because I like both those albums. Yeah, And for in sure. one year to put out both those albums. Um, even though my feelings towards Give Up have kind of mellowed over the years, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's one of my current favorite albums and listening to it today as I did, I, I found some flaws here or there. It's still a nostalgic favorite. I think it's pretty close to a perfect album, especially if you like indie pop. Uh, it very much reminds me of a specific time and place. You know, it's one of those things if I hear Brand New Colony off of it or Such Great Heights, I can immediately remember 2003, you know, uh, in yeah. a way. And and I think it generally does have some of the best songwriting Ben Gibbard has ever done. Um, and the electronic production, you know, just sounds unlike anything else he ever 
has it did with Death Cab for Cutie. Um, it really makes a perfect bed for these sort of acoustic indie rock songs he had written. So my choice for side project that is a true definition of not overstaying your welcome is the one album wonder, the postal service with the album give up, which I guess Matt kind of like your choice as well, or Blake, your choice and, and Logan, yeah. Uh, somewhat your choice. I guess they did put out another album as we talked about <laughs> yes. 2020. Uh, it's it's a one album wonder. Um, but yeah, truly, truly a good album. And, and I know it's sort of the the rote choice. I, I texted Blake earlier because I was slightly concerned he would pick that album as well. <laughs> and I just said, come on. I didn't want to tell him what it was. I just said, is your choice <laughs> related to indie rock around 2003? And he just said, it's not the Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, oh. well, apparently it's pretty obvious. You say Indie Rock they 2003, that's the album, you know. They came to mind right away, but I was like, uh, nah. Yeah, I know they're a pretty obvious choice, but, but it's truly one of my favorite ones. Yeah, Two albums from 2003. That's also true. That that kind of gives our age, Ooh. I think, a little bit. <laughs> we both chose albums from that era, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a huge year for for us. It was. There's some good stuff that came out. I mean, again, Transatlanticism is a great album as well. and came out oh, the yeah. same Love year. Oh, yeah. Love that album. Just Love crazy. It. I was 19, cool. 19 or 20. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. A, it's a seminal year. All right. Well, that, uh, that wraps up our pregame episode, our discussion of, of side pieces. And <laughs> so next week we will be looking at the second Funkadelic album, Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow in depth. But we'll also be taking a quick look at the first Parliament album, Osmium, which was released the same year. We will see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Free your mind. <laughs> why, oh why must it be this way? <laughs> I